0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8:30 or 10:45. Find out more at asburybosher.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. Today we're talking about never ceasing. What is it about the character of God and our relationship with God that isn't to cease? What is it that is supposed to continue? Each and every day. Our scripture lesson today uh, is from Colossians, the first chapter, uh, through the eighth verse. Uh, it'll be uh, on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us love in the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to lead the New Mexico Conference of the United Methodist Church, their clergy retreat. Uh, It was in Sacramento, uh, New Mexico, which is this green, verdant, uh, high elevation uh, over in New Mexico. And it was a great time. It was a time of Sabbath. It was a time of rest. It was also a time of continuing education and forward learning and holding with one another and praying with one another. Uh, And the second day, was a three-day retreat. On the second day, uh, we were talking around lunch uh, and the folks around the table kept talking about a character uh, that used to meet with them often his name was Todd and they kept talking about Todd do you know do you remember those commercials for um pardon me for Dos Equis like 8 years ago commercials were about the most interesting man in the world right that's Todd uh, Todd is a clergy person in the New Mexico conference and he I don't know, hiked the Appalachian Trail, right? Uh, He single-handedly helped fix the economy of Wyoming, right? This is the kind of guy like saved children from the 10th floor of a burning building. This is Todd. And they kept talking about Todd, and he was a clergy person in the conference. So I said, of course, where is he? I want to meet this guy. I want to shake his hand. And they said, oh, he'll be here eventually. So what do you mean? They said, oh, he's usually like two days late to these kinds of things. It's a three-day conference, what do you mean, two to, and, they, and they were just like, that's Todd, you know, incredible. And I'm not kidding. On the third day, as if it was written at the conclusion of the Gospel of John, on the third day, there was Todd at breakfast. So I, like, total, like, fanboyed out. Like, I came up to Todd, like, oh, my gosh, Todd, I've heard everything about you. Oh, my gosh, Todd, how are you? I've heard all the things. He goes, yeah, I get that a lot. How cool is that? He's like, the coolest human I think I've ever met. I think it's fascinating that a three-day retreat, that Todd can be two days late, and they still are excited to see him. They're just beside himself. I forget what he was doing, but he was like, you know, fixing road signs in Vegas or something, right? He eventually made it there, and even though he was two days late, they still welcomed him. In other words, his, um, his reputation had preceded him, right? Uh, have you ever been in a situation where someone meets you and like, oh, I've heard about you. Your reputation precedes you. And you start to sweat a little bit. And you wonder, like, why? In what context? Or they'll say, oh, I re- yeah, I remember you. Like, how? Do you remember me because of a prayer meeting or an LSU game? Because those two different, right, how do I know you, right? Um, when uh, Paul is writing this uh, letter to the Colossians, their, uh, uh, their, their, their DNA, the way that they did church, their reputation had preceded them. And it was good. He goes, I, I've heard of your faith. What a greeting, what a blessing that would be if someone was introducing to you and said, oh, I know, I've heard of your faith. And this is where they are as a community. Paul who are uh, the author of Colossians? We're not sure if Paul ever made it to the church, but they were so on the move with God that Paul had heard of their faith. And not just faith, it says, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've seen it on the wall when you walk into the sanctuary. Hope, faith, and love. Very big in Paul's writings to hold those three things in mutuality. Faith, hope, and love. Because faith, hope, and love need each other. Or as I like to say, hope needs help, right? Uh, Faith, hope, and love, these three abide, but the greatest of these is love, right? Hope needs help because we can hope for anything. We can hope for healing. We can hope for reconciliation. We can also hope that our enemy gets it, right, in the end, right? We can hope for the bridges to burn, right? Hope needs help. It needs faith. And it needs love. I've heard of your faith. What a compliment. Faith, hope, and love, these uh, must be held In mutuality with one another. And I've mentioned this before. What is hope, right? Think of you're going on a trip, right? Hope is uh, you know where you want to be. Uh, In July, we're going to go to the beach and we're going to do the things like you have this idea of where you want to be when you want to be there, right? That's hope. It is out there. It is future cast. It is in, it is out there for you to, to attain. That is hope. Faith, on the other hand, are the things necessary in order to get to that place, right? Our hope is we're going to be on the beach in the last week of July. Faith is kind of like, okay, which means we need to get floaties for the kids and have snacks in the car and make sure we gas up in Minden because if we don't gas up in Minden, we won't afford it until Tallahassee, right? Whatever, right? The things necessary daily even that it takes to find that place of hope, right? And then love Faith, hope, and love. Love is when you finally get there. And you're on the beach, you've done the preparation, your hope is fulfilled, and whose hope isn't fulfilled when you're on the beach? You've know, you found that place, and love is an outpouring of what you have been preparing for. If that metaphor doesn't work, think about sports, right? Hope is we're going to go to the baseball tournament and we're going to do well. That's, that's our hope. We're going to be there. We're going to win the tournament. Faith is the daily grind, the practicing, the uh, fielding uh, of, of pitches and, and batting practice and all these things, right? Turning double plays, all that practice, that is, that is faith. That is the outworking of who we are. And then love is the game, right? It is the outflowing of all of the work that we have done. Same thing with music, right? Um, Our hope is we're going to play with the symphony. and And faith is the daily grind of how to get to where you hope. And then love is the concert itself. Faith, hope, and love are all held in mutuality. This hope, faith, and love, as the author says, has helped you fully comprehend the grace of God fully comprehend the grace of God. That to me is quite a bold statement. I'm not sure if I fully comprehend the grace of God. Power? Maybe. The sovereignty of God? Okay. But the grace of God? And I've said it a hundred times and it's probably going to be on my tomb soon, but grace is the greatest gift when it's given to you. And it's the toughest pill ever to swallow when it's given to someone you don't who you think doesn't deserve it. To comprehend the full grace of God. When you want to, and we've been talking all things Methodist uh, in several, several Sunday school classes. One thing I love about the United Methodist Church, and I don't know if you know this. I, I, should, be, I should have talked about this before, and I, I, don't, I don't think I have. When you want to enter into ministry in the United Methodist Church, The first question, well, after a psychological evaluation, for obvious reasons, when you think you're talking to God, we want to make sure that you're talking to God, right? It's just a thing. You have to go through a psychological evaluation, uh, and and people then question, like, how I made it this far. But the, the, the question that we ask, when you want to enter into ministry in the United Methodist Church, the first question is, do you know God to be a pardoning God? That's the first question. If you were to approach the church and say, hey, I want to serve as an elder or a deacon or a local pastor. Like, I want to, be, I want to do this. Right? I want to serve the church. The first question is, do you know God to be a pardoning God? Not do you know that God is almighty or do you know that God is sovereign or uh, do you believe everything in the book of discipline. It says, do you know God as a pardoning God? As United Methodists, that is where our journey begins. It begins in a place of grace. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? The funny thing about that question is that it assumes something. It doesn't say, "Do you think God is a pardoning God?" or, "Do you hope God is a pardoning God?" It says, "Do you know that God?" As a pardoning God, which assumes that you've screwed up before. It assumes that you've been in need of grace. It assumes that you have said, I messed up and I am in need of forgiveness. I am in need of re- uh, redemption. It is the first question we ask Do you know God as a pardoning God? Not up here, do you think it to be so? Not do you hope it to be so? Have you experienced forgiveness? And have you experienced that power? Of God? Do you know God as a pardoning God? When I was nine or 10 ish, so I used to play baseball. I loved playing baseball, and I was not great at it. I was one of those very eager athletes, like, oh, great, he keeps showing up to practice, right? Um, Like, we have to put him in. I was always like sixth in the lineup, like, not embarrassingly bad. <clears throat> but they didn't want me to bat more than twice in a game, right? That, that kind of level of good. And I was like, eight or nine? I used to play in Slidell, Slidell Bantam Baseball Association, the SBBA, right, Represent. So I used to play baseball, and I remember it was, I was eight or nine, and we were down one run, and we had two guys in scoring position, right? So a dude on second and a dude on third, bottom of the ninth, two outs. And it was my turn to bat, right? Mighty Casey. Ready to go, right? And I did my stance like Mark McGuire. He was my favorite player, which made it incredibly hard to hit a ball. But it's all about the looks, right? It's not really about like victory. It's about, you know, how you look up there, right? You know, so I got up there and like, I'm sweating. I'm so nervous, right? It's all up to me. It's all up to me. Uh, And I failed. It was just a struck out, Mudville, the whole thing. And I can't tell you, it's not the worst thing ever to happen to you when you're nine years old, but it's up there. It's like top five, right? Because you have in your head, like, this is it. Like, I'm going to have, like, never-ending story playing in the background. Turn around. And, like, you hit the ball, and, like, it's going over the fence, and, like, everyone's cheering you on, and you start running in slow motion. You know, it's like Rudy, right? You're, like, running in slow motion. Look at what you see. And then you utterly fail. And it's that feeling where, and maybe you felt this, You just can't look anyone in the eye, right? You just head down. You 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 know it's you. You missed the ball. You struck out. The only person to blame is you. My coach Dale Moore, my coach. God bless you, coaches. If there are any coaches in this room, God bless you. He went he went up to me and said, "See you tomorrow." It just—he didn't say like you should have kept your eye on the ball, or did you not know how important that situation was, or we're meeting for bat- batting practice nine a.m. tomorrow, right? He came up to me and said, "See you tomorrow," and I played for the next nine years. When I graduated high school is when I graduated from baseball, right? Do you know God as a pardoning God? Not sovereign, not and it doesn't even say, do you know God to be a loving God? Sometimes when I counsel folk, when I counsel people uh, and they're going through something, one of the questions sometimes that comes up is I ask them, did your parent love you? And most of the time they say, of course my parent loved me. So then I say, how did they share that? Well, of course, my parent loved me. It's not enough to say, Yeah, God is loving. How is that love being shown? Do you know God to be a pardoning God? You strike out and you embarrass yourself and you let everyone down. And the coach says, Hey, man, see you tomorrow. Another chance. Right? It's the same thing in, like, Les Miserables, right? And we're not going to go through the whole... But, you know, like, Jean Valjean, he's this criminal, right? And he steals a loaf of bread, and he's telling, you know, all these things. And then, at the end of it, he meets this priest. Not at the end of it, at the beginning of it. I <coughs> got ahead of myself. At the beginning of it, this priest brings him in. Monsieur Bienvenu, right? The good, the good monsieur. He brings him in, uh, gives him room, room aboard. And what does Valjean do? He steals silver, right? And then he leaves in the middle of the night. And he's caught, And he's brought back to the priest. The priest had every right to say, yes, he's a thief. I gave him room and board, and he stole my silver. But what does the priest do? Right? Oh, my friend, you left so early. Something surely slipped your mind. You forgot I gave these also. And he takes silver candlesticks, right, and hands him even more silver. Like you forgot forgot the gift. And then I love it. At the end of it, he says... I have bought your soul for God. I've bought your soul for God. Take this silver and use it for good. Do you know? And it changed the rest of his life. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? Do you know that? I think the best example of this, uh, and I'm not smart enough to get it on the screens, but. It's, it's from A Christmas Story. Please tell me you know A Christmas Story. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your, right? It's on, like, TBS a hundred times in a row over Christmas. You know this story, right? Uh, he wears the big pink bunny suit at the end. Of, you know, right? <clears throat> There's this beautiful scene about three-quarters of the way through this movie where, where Ralphie I forget the name of the kid, but like the yellow-eyed kid, like the one with the coonskin cap, right? And he, and and Ralphie just beats the tar out of him, like he he like blows a gas, Freaker, freaker, singer, freaker, free!" freaker, you know. And he's just beating this this nut out of. him. And his mother finds him, and she's just aghast. Right? She's like, "Oh my God!" And like they, they go home, uh, and then and then oh my gosh, then Ralphie r- realizes. Oh no, Dad's gonna find out, right? And he's laying in his bed crying, and he says, and he hears his dad, like, coming up the driveway, right? Saying the exact same words that he said when he was beating up the kid." Where did he learn it? Hello, parents. So, and the mother goes and finds Ralphie's brother, like, in the cupboard. Like, what are you doing? Dad's going to kill Ralphie. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Do you want some milk? Yeah. So he gives him a, and then they have dinner, and they're sitting around the table, and uh, his dad's reading the newspaper. "Well, Well, what happened today? And mom says, "Well, Ralphie got in a fight, a fight," and you can see on Ralphie's face like this is it. And mom says, "Yeah, but you know." Boys will be boys. Hey, are the, the Bears are visiting the Packers this week, aren't they? And dad says, yeah, but I, I'm glad I don't have a ticket, so I'm not going to freeze out there in the stadium or whatever. And then mom walks by Ralphie. She puts her hand on his shoulder and just keeps walking. And Ralphie looks up at his mom, and she looks up at him and he says, my relationship with my mother was never the same. She didn't lie. She told the truth. She redirected. And it changed Ralphie's life. My, mother, my relationship with my mother will never be the same. Do you know God as a pardoning God? And if you don't then may you fulfill that role in someone else's life because surely there is someone in your circle who does not know that God is a pardoning God and they need to see that grace in you just a touch of the shoulder a look bringing peace church if we do that people will hear of our faith. They will know who we are before we are there. They will hear of the way that we are loving people. They will hear of the way that we are serving one another. They will hear of the way that we are bringing hope, building faith, and reaching out with love. And we can be that for those who are desperately hurting to know that God is a pardoning God. It is step number one to know that God loves you. That God wants to be with you. That God wants to offer redemption. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, you who walk with us, offering us hope, a future destination, a place where we are called to be, Lord, you also bless us with faith, with the means of which we work out our salvation, the way in which we prepare for our hope to be a reality. And then, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you surround us with love the playing of the game, the love that is the concert, the music that we hear, the love that we offer to one another, so that the world might know that you are indeed a pardoning God. May that be where our journey begins. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.